And we are live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Holy Crap, the vlogcast. Vlogcast comes from a skeptical point of view to answer some of the questions of why. This vlogcast started as a combination of spite and the Streisand pick because Dal and Joey and me, we like to talk about stuff that pisses us off. And Lord knows this is going to be one of those nights. Part of this is also to follow through with the old adage that sometimes the journey is more important than the destination. I'm your main host. I'm known as Shujin Tribble pretty much everywhere. You can find me under that name. That's S-H-U-J-I-N. Let me introduce you to the crew that we've got at the moment, and then I'll do all the disclaimers that are necessary. From the Midwest of the U.S., Bridget, good evening. Bridget, good evening. Can you not hear me? Now I can. <laughs> Sorry. Good evening. And from the usual group, uh, uh, apparently right now it's just the two of us. We'll see how that changes, if it changes. But joining us from the left coast, from the uh, esteemed group that uh, is otherwise known as Ask an Atheist, Washington, from Tacoma, Rebecca Friedman, thank you for being able to join us. Thank you for the invitation, Shujin. It's uh, nice to be here. It just got dark on our end, because that's how far north and west we are. Yes. Now, as a reminder, that tonight it is our traditional Power of Ten episode. I know, it's not 100. It's not 1,000. I know, I know, I know, I know. Don't give me shit about it. However, because of that... Please remember that this is a show where, as far as filters are concerned, we're not going to be using, necessarily. So, because of that, this isn't age-restricted viewing, and because of that, I do always remind everybody, if you should not be listening to this episode at this time, fast forward, wait until next time, play a different episode, but don't come bitching to us if you get into trouble for it. Remember, you were fucking warned. There you go. Early on. Get that out of the way. So if you shouldn't have been listening to that, now you know where you're going. That's the way that it works. So as a real quick check-in, um, let's just, you know, just do a real quick uh, mental health uh, check-in. Bridget, you and I were talking a little bit before. You've basically decided, <laughs> screw this. I am going back on lockdown. Um, I have started a new position that is remote and started, you know, said new position because they had lifted the mask mandates at work and all that other stuff. Most of the people are not vaccinated around here. Most of the people don't wear masks around here. And COVID showed back up at the office. Shocker. Uh, the new employer that I have is from, is uh, located in North Carolina. So it's not like they're going to be calling me into the office. Yay. But even they have come down and said that people will be vaccinated by August 30th or they will be involuntarily separated. Which I was pleasantly surprised to hear that. That's, they're not playing. No. No, they're definitely not. But as far as like locally, um, our cases are doubling roughly every couple of days. And we had gone down to, you know, two cases, you know, locally. We're back up to 163, uh, as of yesterday. So yeah, good choice. Yay me. <laughs> and, uh, 
Ms. Friedman. I don't know. I, you know, see, here's the problem. Before we got started with the show, I, I, I reminded, uh, Rebecca that, you know, we, we have, I have familiarity because I've been listening to their show for a very long time. So I, I forgot to even ask you, would you prefer that I call you Rebecca, Becca, Miss Meth? I, I do. I didn't even think about it ahead of time. And I just suddenly realized I'm really not that chummy chummy. Which one would you prefer? So Rebecca or Becky, I go by Becky a lot. Um, and especially on, on our show, Ask an Atheist, um, my pronoun is she and Becky is just fine. Um, and, uh, we have, a slightly different kind of thing that we're going into in our household, which is kind of the the coming out of lockdown because I'm a public school educator. And so I have been remote for 18 months and not at all being in the office. Um, but uh, next week we start some uh, some professional development training and we have two days and they are still completely virtual. And so we're just trying to stay as safe as we can before we can welcome kids back onto campus in about a month. Um, we start just before Labor Day. I know that in some warmer climes of the U.S., they might start mid-August, or some kids might have even started now, uh, depending if you have year-round school. But we start um, September 1st. So we're getting excited for that. And um, I'm also very happy that our state has said, yeah, we're continuing to have everyone that is present on a school campus to be masked. So everyone's going to be masking and just experiencing the last 18 months of having everyone have masks on and not getting any other bugs, you know, let alone any any respiratory infections that have been pandemic, but not getting other bugs. Uh, it just shows, one, when we're not masked and really close to each other, how much breathing of each other's spit we do, which is kind of alarming. Um, then even... You know, at school, if we go half a year or the full year where everyone is just masked, I'm hoping that we get far fewer sicknesses of all kind. Um, because for the most part in Western Washington, the majority of kids have not been attending full time in school since March 13th of 2020. So I'm going the opposite direction as Bridget. And uh, for the first time in a while going into the office full time starting in a few weeks. Um, but before that, I'm also going to be getting my feet wet with doing a residential summer camp session with Camp Quest Northwest and some of our kids where uh, everyone on, on campus there will have either a negative COVID test within three days of coming to camp or be vaccinated or both. So hoping for a fun time for what we can do. Um, we skipped last year of doing residential summer camp and uh, we're hoping for the best. Yeah. Camp Quest Northwest uh, has been a, a, a staple for you guys for a very long time. And I'm, I'm very proud for you guys f for that. I, you know, before I finished my, uh, my DJ se uh, season, this year, I forgot to be playing the Camp Quest commercials because I had downloaded them and I was intentionally playing them several times over. Uh, man, I, 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 I completely forgot to do that because of how everything was just all up in the air with everybody being able to get socially together again. Are we talking Squid Ink? Uh, no, no. The ones that were, um, 
uh, credible the credible series. I think it was like the, three. With the little boy Billy, yes, being tempted by the devil and being tempted by logical fallacies. Those are some of our really, uh, I guess, um, favorites. Yeah. Um, we also have had kids produce kind of like um, uh, PSAs or uh, hoax infomercials, mm-hmm. um, trying to get get kids to think skeptically or think how do you want to educate people with a true message. Um, so those have been really fun as well. And yeah, it's been it's been a long time. I just wrapped up doing a virtual session of Camp Quest Northwest this week. Um, had all sorts of cool sort of uh, activities that we could be doing remotely uh, with kids tuning in from different areas. So camp came right to your kitchen table as we were doing things like learning about denaturing proteins by making cheese or... Uh, depression of freezing points by making ice cream with, you know, rock salt and plastic baggies and uh, doing some virtual planetarium tours. And I think one of the coolest things is um, another podcaster out there. His name is Robert Ray. Uh, he has had a show called Secular Yacking. He also has had a show called Sparky on Ice. Um, he may be starting up Sparky on Ice shortly because he was, when I was able to zoom in, zoom him in to talk with the kids, um, he was in New Zealand on quarantine um, because he works seasonally in Antarctica as a master electrician at McMurdo Research Center. So he was able to talk to us about what it's like, you know, supporting scientific research in one of the coldest, emptiest places on Earth, where anyone who's there basically has the internet uplink uh, equivalent to one person's cell phone. So... When they're wintering over, it's, you know, maybe only about 400 people. But during the summer season down there, it'll be up to like 2,200 people all using the same link. So, um, and he's, there's there's a radio station down there, a real FM station down at McMurdo. And people on their off time can take gigs and do DJ sets and stuff. And so that was cool to be able to bring him to the kids. Um, so, yeah, it was just really fun. Did some uh, live streaming of... Uh, nature walks through Pacific Northwest Stream Center and on the beach and then through uh, an urban garden looking at non-native species, native species, and then how they mix together um, in a responsible way. So it was really fun. Very cool. So now that we got that all out of the way, everybody, of course, thank you for being with us. Uh, Those of you that are with us live, of course, take advantage of the chat. I do know that Felix was there. Hi, glad you're doing better, hon. We, we're all glad that you're doing better. Doc, uh, I, I see you over there. And yes, I'm going to get to the opening so that you hopefully don't pass out before you hear what happens. And Stephanie, good to have you over there. So uh, as far as to where is everybody else, uh, don't know right now. But, you know, it's a it's a, a unrenowned tech we knew full well was not going to be here this week. So it is what it is. And since nobody is under contract, you know, it is what it is. But in any case, let me go ahead and uh, get our opening. Uh, We'll come back afterwards. We'll do the horrible scopes and we'll get into the story that has been 16 months in the waiting that really shouldn't have happened in the first place. So with five minutes on the clock, five minute freestyle starts right now and this week i have labeled it rounds now most people are not going to know the particular items that i'm 
specifically referencing. Only a, only a handful of people actually know him. Some months ago, some several, several months ago, I knew somebody who was having a little bit of a, a rough day. And I did what is effectively a stalker thing, but it was actually for a good reason. I tracked down where they were. And because of where they were, which happened to have been in uh, a pub at the time, I was able to, I was able to do a little bit of sleuthing, track down where they were. And because they were having, you know, they, they were not having a good day. I got in touch. I actually used my phone. Oh my God. I actually used my smartphone to make an actual phone call to the establishment. And I said, Hey, there's somebody over there. I want to send him, I want to send him a drink. Can I do that? Took a couple of minutes. Yep. We can do that. Okay. I had another person much more recently where I basically told him, you know, if I, if I had the opportunity, I would get on the phone and I would call the bar and I would, if I was able to order a round of drinks for the folks over there. Why is this a thing? You know, it's one of those things where we don't really think about it, but you know, you, you see the, the, the very standard guy comes into a, a in, into a pub, you know, it's around for everybody. Why is that a thing? It's a thing because we, social people, we, the social species that we are, we want to be able to share something together. And that's usually eating, drinking in a situation where maybe otherwise you don't know each other, but at just that moment, you don't care. You just want to share an opportunity to have a drink. Even if you're not actually physically with somebody or, or chatting on boat, you're not sitting at their table. You want to have the opportunity to say, just for a couple of minutes, we're going to go ahead and we're going to share a moment for no other reason other than I can. And it's going to make everybody else feel good. It's something that we really don't even think about. You know, the traditional thing is, you know, the the stereotype for we Italians and by extension some families who are of other persuasions Jewish specifically there are there is the idea that you go and you make dinner there's enough to feed an army as someone who came up through an Italian household where every couple of weeks the entire family got together at grandma's. Oh my God. There truly is something to that particular stereotype. But what is it? What is it about being able to be together? To share food, to share drink, to spend social time. It's because even 
if we don't necessarily directly connect. We don't talk with each other. We don't sit down. We don't, we don't share stories. We just have something in us where just being together is enough. If there's anything that we've learned over the last two years is that that is something that we really can miss out on. And it's really tough on all of us when that happens. So if you know full well that there's somebody who has been missing out on that social piece, even if you can't be there with them, give them something that you can share together. Send them a text message, drop a postcard, but just one way or another, just connect and say, you're not alone. We're still here with you. This is episode 370 on the docket, Your Honor. Eridust, part two. Like I said, the last time that I was able to be together speaking with Rebecca and Sam, it was in an official capacity, again, 16 months ago. Yes, I tracked it down to find out. And the lockdowns had just happened over in Washington State, so... The guys over there were not able to have their usual folks come in to co-host. So, you know, Sam decided, well, why do it the easy way? Because when the hell does ever Sam done something the easy way? And instead of just getting the phone system together and calling one of the locals, he decided, hey, let's go across the country and find somebody that we don't have bad relations with and ask them to come on. So he got in touch with me and said, okay, how would you like to be on? And it's just like, would I? So the story that we ended up talking about at that point was really like literal years in the making at that point for the, the high school coach. And yeah, we'll, we'll go into the, the deeper end of it all momentarily. But the fact that this came up on my news feeds, I knew instantly there is no way in hell I'm passing up this perfect opportunity to kind of get the band back together again, so to speak. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about where it came up through, why it is such a pain in the ass, and why the shit show hasn't died yet when it should have almost two years ago. Be this of me. Um, for drink, by the way, because Becky, you don't you don't necessarily know about this. Pretty much every week, I try different beers to see if there's something that I find that I like. And I know for well, Sam is very much a an at home. Let's try to make sure that this doesn't explode in the house. Beer maker every once in a while. Yes, she's laughing because she knows for well it's true. Out of my put it together six pack, I have finally come to the last of this one, and. This week, it is the Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. Reminding everybody, Guinness so far has been pretty good for me. Coffees, coffee beers have been very hit or miss. So we will find out if this one turns out to be worthwhile. 
Oh, just ducky that almost poured right out of the top as soon as I opened it up. This one, oh, is very much a darker as opposed to some of the other ones that have been very much of the you can almost see through it. Oh, this is definitely liquid bread. And I'm not going to finish the entire bottle putting into that. Oh, that is. Oh, yeah, that's 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 nice. We will try that momentarily, and I can already smell the coffee coming off of that. As an aside, joining us from over the pond, Paris, friends, Joseph, you made it. Good morning. Good morning, sir. And this means I need to uh, reorganize everybody's names over here. Let me go ahead and do that. Scooch that, scooch that. You made it just in time because we're about to jump into the horrible scopes. I already got it open. Ah, oh, that works out wonderful. And let me find where is your name. There you are. And that's all good. <laughs> yes, uh, Doc. Yes, it is. A, it is a coffee Guinness, and um, I did not go very far into it this time. But um, it it definitely smells of of coffee and Guinness. So, um, that is a lot warmer than I thought it was going to be, considering that I took it out of a fridge. Either there's something wrong with my fridge, or this defrosted a lot quicker than I thought it should have otherwise. But we will see how that works out. All right. I did go looking up information on uh, Rafe Badawi's condition. We have, unfortunately, no new news. So as of the recording of tonight's show, since he has not yet been released, it has now been nine years, one month, 14 days since Rafe was unjustly incarcerated for thought crime. Our hopes or thoughts are still with you and your family. We are still waiting so let's go ahead and get to the horrible scopes. So, folks, for those of you that know what your astrological signs are cool, those of you that don't make it up as you go along, it really won't make too much of a difference. Trust me, it really won't make any real difference. Let me get you rolling over here. Aries, now would be a good time to check your tax status, Aries. Have you been withholding enough money so you don't have to pay at the end of the year? Better yet, are you setting it up so you'll be able to buy a new video card with the rebate you'll get? Yeah, good luck with that. Bridget, over to you. Taurus. Hank Green said in a tweet, I know three phone numbers, mine, my wife's, and my third grade girlfriend Amanda's. Little did he realize he also knew Jenny's number too. The point is, Taurus, you know more than you give yourself credit for, including Jenny's number. As an aside. I know Jenny's number. <laughs> I, I know Jenny's number, but somebody had actually tweeted back to me and said, well, you know her number, but you don't know the area code. I went and looked up at the time when the song was written in California, where Tommy Two-Tone was located. There would have been eight area codes in existence. We can track down which one it was. <laughs> Becky, take it on over to you. 
sure. I guess we're up to Gemini, so any twins out there. Last week, we suggested using a 3D printer to, uh, quote, make one yourself, unquote. To be clear, we were suggesting that you 3D print a kiddie pool, not kids or pets. Since so many of you Geminids had a problem with that horrible scope, we're going to suggest that you stop trying to print whatever it is you're trying to print. How about using a 3D printer to print a bigger 3D printer? There is something for that. Okay, Cancer Moon Child, you are not a control freak. You just know what you want, how you want it, and who's best suited to get it to you. See? You're not a control freak. You're greedy. Totally different. Tell everyone who says you are to bugger off. All the nice folks over there in, uh, in uh, Great Britain land are just loving that one right there. Leo, invest in a yo-yo this week. It'll help with your hand-eye coordination, bring back memories of the old Smother Brothers skits, and give you something to do on the weekends. If you're still as bad at it as we think you are, you might want to see where you can get your fingers splinted before you start. The fraud detection department at your bank is so done with checking on your spending habits. Last week, it was rock, paper, scissors to see who had to call and check your purchases. Now they've devolved into using rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. Except for Tim, who plays with the Derringer. Yep. Thanks, Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Libra, with your left shoulder's ACL still on the mend, there's not much you can do job-wise, but we found something that you can do anyway. Take mass transit to the biggest local mall and take some surveys. Those people are always looking for new people to interview, and you might get some cool swag out of the deal. Scorpio. About that suggestion that water skiing was a safer alternative than snow skiing, sorry about that. But really, what were the odds you'd run into a pod of dolphins? Or, more specifically, that they'd jump out of the water and run into you? Maybe reading on the beach is the way to go now. Yeah, I, I fortunately never had that problem. I did end up falling face first into the water, forgot to let go of the tow rope, opened up my eyes, and had my eyeballs floating around their sockets for a few minutes. That was fun. No, it's not. Sagittarius, this week the stars are telling you no. No more fun food, no more practical jokes, no more photoshopping Skeletor dolls into family vacation photos for profit. And no renting Fiat 500s so you can drive under moose legs at night. Just no. Recording. Things change slowly right in front of your eyes. You think Rome was built in a day or the Great Pyramid of Giza in a week or the Grand Canyon carved in a fortnight? Even love takes time and it's hard to find. Gotta take some time to let love grow. I'm really hoping you picked up on that one. Aquarius. Your troublesome neighbors won't be a problem anymore. As something about a grease fire in the kitchen at 2am and a faulty fire extinguisher. Let's just say that you'll sleep better now and Wendy's has the best ice cream machines. Never broken, even at 2am. 
Pisces. Insisting people send you important documents via fax is petty as hell. It used to be a way of scanning an original document and remote printing it via standard television service. This is not, functionally, any different than photographing the document with a smartphone and emailing the image to someone. You've already proven that Morse code can send information faster than text messaging, but do you want to learn how to use Viberbug? Don't think so. Dee-dee-dee-da-dee-da. That's close enough, and I'm I'm very certain that some people have picked up on that one. And I got a lot of, I got a lot of pushback on what's a vibra bug. It sounds naughty. It's not. And those are your horrible scopes for this week. Remember, if you like what you got, it's completely, uh, completely an accident because nobody bribed me to say, "Hey, please be nice to me this week." So. You can always bribe me and let me know, hey, I'd really like you to be nice to. It may not happen that way, but you know what? You can always ask. You got you got nothing to lose by asking. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I tried to turn uh, Joseph's uh, audio up a little bit. Uh, Joseph, if you've got any opportunity to uh, boost your uh, uh, your mic just a little bit, that'd be wonderful. On the low side? Yeah, I don't know why. It could be just Discord being Discord, so... <clears throat> yeah, okay, wait a second. It'll be where it'll Better? be. That'll do. Okay. That'll do. Yeah, I got I, I yet again another headset. Fair enough. Okay, so... <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Beer's not bad. It's weird. It's... I'm not used to the idea of drinking beer as if I had just poured coffee into it. So it's a little on the odd side, but I pretty sure that I could finish this tonight as opposed to some of the others that I've had where it's been three sips and just nope. Nope. So we'll, uh, we'll see how this goes out. So just the thought of thinking, drinking beer at six thirty AM. Well, I mean, sure for you. <laughs> Love to join you, but <laughs> so Becky, let's let's go ahead and uh, and kind of turn back the clock again. I can't believe that I have to harp on this. Sixteen months ago, you guys got me to come on to uh, ask an atheist, and at that point, uh, you guys had gone ahead and said that you know. Uh, Washington state had said, okay, um, yeah, everybody's locked down for a little while and basically everything went to hell with all that. And just real quickly, you guys had been following this particular story, like I said, for years. And that's about the point where I ended up coming into it. Would you be so kind, kind of let folks know what Ask an Atheist is, where you guys where you guys are, what you do, and why this particular story had been a thorn in your side for literally years. Sure, sure. Uh, so Ask an Atheist started, uh, depending on how you count it, nine years ago or ten years ago. We're not really sure whether we're counting 2020 as a season. But we are at about the decade mark of Ask an Atheist. And you can find us at atheist.radio. And... 
We started out as a, uh, briefly, a cable access call-in show, um, somewhat similar in nature and feel to uh, the atheist experience out of Austin that uh, folks might be familiar with. They've got lots of stuff on YouTube. And uh, when the the local cable access TV station became unavailable because of budget cuts and reconfigurations, we went to commercial radio. And so we were... One of the few, if only, I think the only in North America, um, uh, atheist-themed radio shows on commercial radio. And we have been a podcast, a radio show, uh, lots of different stuff over the past decade. And usually we've discussed kind of news stories that are uh, of interest to us or of interest or concern to folks that are skeptically minded, non-religiously minded, uh, atheists, agnostics, secular humanists. And um, we like looking at stuff that's local to us in addition to the stuff that is far away because even before we all became locked down and, and zoomed into our machines, uh, you know, we're globally connected. So uh, one of the local stories to us in Western Washington state has to do with this football coach who really liked gathering kids for prayer. Uh, uh, and if I may, ex coach, fortunately, there we go. Uh, <laughs> at the time he was a football coach. He was an assistant coach. That's true. Um, to to uh for for high school football kids up in the lovely coastal city of Bremerton um up on the Kitsap Peninsula and there's so okay it's kind of like for some folks maybe in the midwest or in the south or big square boxy states where football is life um that you know it's 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 kind of a given that there's going to be the occasional or the always happening, um, the ubiquitous Christianization and prayer. And, you know, we follow stuff where a football coach tries to baptize a bunch of kids and saves them, right? And some 16-year-old protests and then kids gets kicked off the football team. Like, that's that's out and about in, in America. And it has been for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, right? Um, and we try and look at when it comes up and say, hey, this is unconstitutional. Um, and it's unconstitutional for lots of reasons. But in Washington state specifically, we have um, part of our constitution and RCW, our revised code of Washington, that says that nothing that happens in public schools can be religious, can be used to endorse any kind of religion or anything like that. So there's there's even stronger protections for the separation of church and state in public schools in Washington. And this one dude, his name is Joe Kennedy, he really, really thought that his First Amendment rights were being violated when after a football game, he would gather in the middle of the field and anyone who wanted to on either team would come together in prayer. And we can surmise that, hey, if your football coach is there and is deciding or making recommendations to the head coach about whether to, you know, put you on A team or on the C team, you know, varsity versus JV, uh, whether maybe they're also uh, talking to your classroom teachers as well, because as a public educator, I know that that classroom teachers also communicate with um, our athletic coaches. And in many cases, uh, teachers also become, you know, our coaches. and. 
these these are authority figures. These are adults who have a lot of influence over your life, both academically and athletically, and then socially. Uh, the idea that maybe if you are a Muslim kid or a Jewish kid or an atheist kid or a Christian kid that's not the same flavor of Christian that that dude is, uh, being pressured to come out to the center line and and you know at the forty yard line and drop to your knees and bow your head in prayer is hugely problematic. And so the district consulted with their legal team. Legal team said, "Yeah, get this guy gone because uh, this, this is just trouble." Um, and and he was non renewed. And he thinks that that was uh, discriminatory and a violation of his First Amendment rights. And is basically on a, forgive the the term, a crusade to make sure that people that are authority figures in public schools can be religious figures. Which I really, really am hoping that he's not going to win. Because when, you know, we thought that this was dead. We thought that this was gone. He had, you know, been rejected or failed to have been picked up in appeals courts. He had gotten lots of his little things shut down, shot down. Um, and, uh, but, but, you know, years after the initial incident, here we are again. And I'm sure that, Shujin, you'll get into the nitty gritty of what's happening now with this particular football coach. Yeah. Now, the reason why, uh, the reason why this particular episode is labeled Era Dust Part Two is because the episode that I was on with them was labeled Era Dust, which we had a lot of fun with. Or at least I had a lot of fun at Sam's expense, which apparently he liked. I don't know. Is is he really that masochistic? It's hard to tell sometimes. Sometimes he is. Uh, and we should say, so Sam Mulvey is both my partner and the executive producer of Ask an Atheist. Um, he is in convalescence from a uh, – you can check it out on Ask an Atheist, but he's in convalescence from a medical procedure. Um, so he sends his regards to the whole – Holy crap, vlogcast gang, and the crap listeners, crew. and crap supporters, crew. and crew, everyone. Um, and, yeah, this this guy has been stuck in Sam's craw for a while, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, um, when I was on the show with you guys uh, at the time, and by the way, uh, so that if anybody wants to listen to it, the show in particular is linked in the show notes, so you'll be able to pull that up for yourselves later, too, because, like I said, that was a hell of a lot of fun. It really was. And only a minor bit of editing went into that, which actually surprised me. I was, I was very happy for that at the time. I remember how, for you guys, it was the, – the story had come up, and again, reminding you, this 16, this, you know, 16 months ago now, that it was very much of the – and I very clearly remember, because I, I re-listened to the episode to remind myself a lot of this, where Sam – read through the thing that basically said that the uh, the last appeal through the state was done. And I could almost hear Sam throw his arms up in the air and go, is that it? Can we call this dead now? I'm paraphrasing, but only just slightly so. And when when we were talking about it, one of the things that I had brought up at the time was that uh, not only did the lawyers talk with the school administration about this whole thing, but I had brought up the fact that the lawyers basically said it wasn't just uh, an option that they had available to them. It was their legal responsibility to tell this guy, 
you're not allowed to be, and the word that we need to use here is proselytize to the students, to the people that are there. He's not supposed to be able to use his position as an official with the school district, regardless of how far out you want to call that as, as part of the state or Congress or whatever the hell you want to, you want to call it at that point. He, he should not have been using his official capacity to in any way compel compliance from these kids. And he absolutely refused to change his ways. And that's when they basically, they shit canned him because, well, he kept putting the district at uh, grievous harm for monetary suits, I guess is probably the nicest way of putting it at that point. Sounds about right. It does. And we should say the reason that we were, you know, throwing our hands up in the air saying, is it dead yet? Is this done? Can we move on from here? And the reason why it's so annoying that we can't apparently is because this happened in 2015. This is more than five years ago that this guy had his contract for assistant coaching football non-renewed, which he found to be of grievous harm to his own personal self. And you know, Shujin, you talked about how, all right, whether the school district is actually an extension of the state. Um, that's why in Washington State, it's also, we also got that, that, uh, that state level law that says, no, you can't have any kind of thing that has to do with a public school that, uh, anything that receives money from the state be used to promote religion or non-religion or any particular stance on religion. Um, and so, we thought that this was completely dead because it wasn't a state appeal. This was a U.S. district court judge. That's right. Uh, back last year, That's who, right. who scrapped his last his last little appeal in summary judgment. And when you have summary judgment, usually you can't appeal. And it was like the last little shred of things that he was trying to say. No, they hurt me. They they stepped on my fundamental, you know, First Amendment rights to pray. Well, they didn't because he still has a right to pray, just not as a functionary of the school, not on the 50-yard line. I, I was mistaken. It's the 50-yard line. Um, they offered him a private place to lead his prayer if he finds that speaking to a god that he believes in after coaching kids through a football game brings him solace and does magical things for his kids. Okay. They offered him that. He refused. Putting the lie to the test that he wants to gather kids. He wants to be a public spectacle. He wants there to be mixing of religion and public schools. It's exasperating. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a quote from the uh, CNN article, which again is linked in the show notes, quote, we will appeal and are confident that the Supreme Court of the United States will right this wrong, said Jeff Mateer, First Liberty Institute's chief legal advisor. Can I just go ahead right on record right here and right now and say something that Sam did not at the time and probably could not and probably would love to have right now if he could. First Liberty Institute, you guys can go fuck yourselves. You guys, the entire reason for you guys doing what you do is as a giant money sink that people can go into like it's a, like it's a demonic Patreon account so that you can suck the life out of the judicial system and drag everybody around just so that you can go ahead and be, Oh, 
I guess we didn't win this time. I guess they really are out to get us. Where? The little, little pouty lip and the, the, the Piachi tears on the side of the face. Can we, I mean, even, even you guys had said at the time, this, this group, I mean, what, what is it that they do? They take on exactly these types of cases that have got no real use other than just to say, oh, look at that. We've been prosecuted because we don't get special preferential treatment against the law. What? Why? I just, I just, I just don't get that group in and of itself right there. And they've been at the center of, of so many of these exact types of suits. And it's a bit of pain in the ass time and time and time again, because that's exactly the kind of thing that they do. And it, it serves no real, no real use. Well, I would say, I would argue that it serves the use that of, of pushing their particular agenda to break down that wall of separation of church and state. It, it uh, is very useful in keeping a thorn in people's sides. I mean, Back in, in 2020, you know, we thought it was dead because the Supreme Court declined to hear the coach's appeal and this Liberty Institute for fuckery or whatever the heck it is uh, that we're, we're doing. I mean, they were trying to appeal a lower court's um, upholding, right, of the school's decision. And Supreme Court was like, mm, nah, not going to bother hearing it, thereby making the lower court's decision uh, uh, valid, Right, the the school the school said nope, we're not renewing you, and low, and some lower court said yep, that that was cool, and Supreme Court by declining to hear it basically gives this blessing of yeah, we think that's cool too. So we thought it was dead because Supreme Court declined to hear things. Now is dredging up some other little piece that maybe the Supreme Court will be sympathetic on, and the scary thing is this Supreme Court composition might be sympathetic. Yeah, which means now we have to look at it and kind of try to figure out what possible additional piece are they looking to throw into the mix that they didn't have for the last five plus years of court cases that they're going to suddenly say, this, this is, this is what we finally needed. This, this is the Kraken. This is the piece that we need. I'm sorry. Am, am I mixing metaphors with a whole bunch of things right now? Yes. Yes, I am. Why? Because it's all the same goddamn it just all is the same damn thing. It's well, the Kraken spot. is really popular out here in Western Washington. We are getting our first hockey team in a while, and it's going to be the Seattle Kraken. And with the ocean and the actual um, uh, uh, Puget Sound or Salish Sea being one of the deepest bodies of waters, we have all kinds of cephalopods and octopus out here. And so pretty popular imagery out here. Go ahead and mix in the uh, Kraken references, whatever. That's excellent. So has anybody actually made the uh, reference that uh, perhaps congratulations, Washington, on inking the deal? Mm, no, not to my knowledge, but I don't know. Between at- COVID and remote teaching, I may have had my head in a, I don't know, closet for like, I don't know, 18 months or so. <laughs> you know, it's a dad joke. The only thing that I thought of was, uh, you know, the threat that Linwood and uh, Sidney Powell of releasing the Kraken. Yeah, well. And then you got people like me who play Kerbal Space Program, where 
if your spacecraft just spontaneously disassociates itself because of an error in the program, that is a reference to the Kraken. That that's it's it's not a program it's not a program problem it's the Kraken. You you activated the Kraken and you shouldn't have done that and it's your fault. I just always figure that when my spacecraft disintegrates, it's it's user error. No, no, no. No, or at least uh, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to believe that for myself. And I should say, not really my spacecraft. I have spent many hours watching Sam play Kerbal Space Program, and then our uh, Earth and Space Science classes in the school that I uh, used to teach in uh, made use of Kerbal Space Program as part of their learning orbital mechanics. Because, believe it or not, it's pretty good at that. It is. And for anybody that really thinks that um, orbital mechanics is easy, don't you believe it. Oh, my God. Learning about that was so much fun for me when all was said and done. But, you know, I, I grew up on Star Trek where, you know, you don't think about orbital lines. Everything is like you're in a submarine, but eh, whatever. So, because I had to bring up submarine, and and that brings up the whole point of being underwater. This whole legal suit, I, I can't understand for the life of me. And and maybe you've got some kind of insight into this. If a First Amendment protection is literally spelled out in absolute clarity. You know, in in the in the uh, in the state bylaws and such, how in the hell can somebody look at that and go, "Yeah, you know what? That doesn't appeal to me." So uh, I'm just not going to bother. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, the the sense of exceptionalism uh, runs uh, is is a common thing within folks that can. It can be a common thing with it folks that are very dedicated to a particular religion. Um, I I grew up in uh, the, the Jewish faith and Jewish culture and community, and even embedded within there. I mean, there is there are messages all the time from when you're very, very young uh, that uh, you are part of the chosen people. If that's not a instilling a sense of exceptionalism, <laughs> I don't know what is. Um, I grew up with uh, parents who were who could be called intermarried, right? My my mother um, was uh, grew up Irish Catholic, and she converted to Judaism, um, and we we were raised Jewish, my my siblings and I, and uh, always jokes, you know, like in in Catholicism, you're instilled to have you know follow the rules and uh, don't go out of the box or whatever, and. Um, so if, you know, there was like a one-way street or something and my dad would be like, oh, no. Or if there's like a – it says dead end and we're taking a shortcut and dad turns down that and mom, you know, jokes and says, it's not one way for everyone except for Jews. <laughs> You're not chosen people to like have rules not apply to you or, or anything. Any of those like uh, warning signs or notices in museums. Um, there's this sense of of exceptionalism because you're told that you're exceptional. Um and so I don't know if that also, you know, can sometimes uh, be 
I don't know, in, instilled by folks that are giving you these messages in these, in these, uh, venues that like the Liberty Institute for, that, no, you are, you are exceptional because you are a person of faith in a, uh, lawless, diabolical, influenced, atheist government. And it's like, well, yeah, that's not really the U.S. Like, just because we don't have a particular religion doesn't mean that the majority of people aren't religious in some way or have beliefs in some kind of spiritual things in some way. It's just that when we're that diverse and pluralistic and what our beliefs are, you might not be part of the majority of people with your particular flavor of religion. So maybe that's how it gets a morphed into, well, this rule doesn't apply to me. I don't know, though. What do you guys think? We've been talking enough. Come on, you two. It's time to pull your weight a little bit. I mean, it's, it, speaking as someone who lives in the Midwest, um, they definitely have that opinion here. That, you know, if you're religious, that trumps all. And, you know, back in 2012, I actually had to sue Mike Pence when he was still governor here. But he was going to sign into law this piece of legislation that was called the Lord's Prayer Bill. And what that was, was, uh, you know, it was going to require all children going to the public schools to recite the Lord's Prayer at the beginning of every school day. And, you know, in order to see, you have to have standing. So, you know, I contacted our good friends at, you know, Freedom From Religion Foundation because I couldn't afford an attorney. And my daughter was in the public school system at the time, so I had standing. But the House and the Senate in Indiana had signed overwhelmingly, you know, had signed this and it just flew through the House and the Senate. And so, you know, Governor Pence at the time put out a press release saying that he was, you know, overjoyed to be signing this piece, you know, piece of legislation and they were going to have a huge ceremony and all that other <laughs> You know, stuff. So, you know, I contacted FFRF and told them, you know, please do not use my name in any documents that you have to, you know, file, but gave him a copy of the legislation and a copy of the press release saying he was going to sign it. I'm not sure exactly how they handled it, but it quietly disappeared, never to be spoken of again. I'd say that they handled it well. Well, oh, exactly. But nobody was doing anything to stop it. And had I not stopped it, that would have been signed into law as unconstitutional as that is. But I was just glad that those people were there to help me, you know, pro bono. And it was, you know, definitely an airtight case. And it just quietly went away. Oh, yeah. It was not mentioned in the papers again. It disappeared out of the media. It was just gone. It never got signed in the law. It was, you know, canned. And I guess he was told not to say anything about it. I don't know. I don't know what they did. Um, you know, when I had contacted them, they just said, you know, this looks like solid information. This is definitely a violation here. And this was under our radar. And so they just said if they needed any further information that they would be back in contact. And I never heard anything further. They killed it. Well, well done. It, Thank you. it <laughs> makes me think of, um, I mean, not something as egregious as that, but whenever you have these little things where someone's advised, like, don't, don't, don't do that. You're not allowed to do that. That's mixing church and, and state. Um, 
then it often will motivate these these bills, right? And um, the coach Joe Kennedy, football coach in Bremerton, Washington, his case did motivate and inspire a state level bill that uh, that died um, and didn't have a chance of passing. Now, I would I would wager that that's because specifically of our uh, legislative body demographics and in in Washington state, which is not something that necessarily in Indiana you can count on. But there was there was this this bill that got inspired by Kennedy's experience, and it was uh, that it would um, allow specifically allow coaches and school staff to pray after sports games um, and. It was, you know, it was introduced in the town where the coach came from, and um, it did not pass, to say the least. But just to to put it out there, it's like thinking about what a waste of time of our our elected officials and our governing bodies um, to spend time on these these protest bills, right? Where all it is is just saying, I know that this doesn't comply with our state laws or our federal uh, statutes, but we're going to put this bill in there just to say, look, they voted against this. See, they really hate religious people. They hate people praying. When, if you look in Washington state, the rights of um, of students are, are hugely protected. The rights of students to have freedom of expression, um, they can pray in the lunchroom, they can pray, you know, they can do gather at the flagpole to do square. Uh, you can't disrupt curricular instruction in order to proselytize or do school prayer, but kids can carry a Bible on campus. Kids can, uh, you know, do whatever they need. My classroom, um, when I was teaching in person became one of the, cause I'm a, an English learners teacher as well. It became one of the areas where at lunchtime kids, uh, who were observing Ramadan could come hang out as opposed to sitting in the lunchroom and being around food. So they could come, they could, you know, uh, chill out with kids. And, and I say, you know, my classroom, because I'm an ELL teacher, because of many of our kids who are of Muslim faith are uh, English learners as well. Um, and sometimes they just feel more comfortable uh, in that kind of environment. And, you know, it's it's largely protected. Um, it's what's not protected is when you as an extension of the state, as an educator, uh have your religious beliefs that are forced upon other kids or coerced or anything like that. In my school, there is a group of teachers who get together at 6.45 a.m. for donuts and prayer stu- and, and Bible study. They do a 20-minute thing, right? They have breakfast. They have coffee. I was invited to it. I politely declined. I said, thank you for thinking of me, but no, I'm not religious. And then they said, well, if you want to stop by when we got extra donuts, come by my classroom and I'll snag an extra one for you. Then what, that way you don't have to participate in the in the prayer. People are allowed to be religious in their private lives and and even congregate collegially with each other. You just can't do it with kids and you can't do it as this coercive way in front of kids. So there's all of this these bills about whether you're going to have every kid recite the Lord's Prayer, which is patently unconstitutional. Or allow these uh, these post prayer these post football game prayers. They're all just they're showmanship. They're they're silly. They're just these like random protests to to stir up this unthinking rage and outrage to say they're discriminating against me. Which when you look at the protections and laws, they are exceedingly robust. The, the, what scared me about this one so much is that it almost happened. It was going to happen. Yeah. 
Joseph, I saw that you unmuted yourself. You had something to say? Oh, no, about these public displays. It's, um, yeah, it's just basically public self backpatting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's artificial, uh, artificial self persecution. It's, it's, it's theater. It's just, there's something aggressive about it too, as far as I'm concerned. Because I mean, when you make a display of, uh, basically they're saying to everybody, we can do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Or at least try to. And there's a piece of what Becky said that, uh, I, I want, Folks, especially, uh, specifically, uh, the folks that would be listening from the U.S. to specifically understand what, what happens in Washington state is typically attributed to the stereotype of it's the liberal West. It's the liberal coast. But as far as this piece is concerned, as far as to what should teachers, people in authority, officials in positions of authority, what kind of responsibility do they have and how much they can get away with? The only difference between Washington State, or in this particular case, well, in Washington State, versus the rest of the country is Washington State updated the language locally so that everybody can understand what nationally is supposed to be the thing. Nationally, every kid in public school should be allowed and is allowed under the law to bring a Bible with themselves, to have any religious tome that they would have. Uh, I would not suggest the anarchist cookbook personally, but I mean, you could make an argument for that. I don't recommend it, but any teacher, any person in a position of official authority does not have the right under the law to coerce, to, no, that's, that's the best word for it, to in any way, shape, or form coerce compliance or acceptance. It's simply not what they should be doing. And the fact that you had a bunch of teachers who were just like, very understanding, very accepting, and basically said, you know what? Cool. All right. No worries. You want an extra donut? Come on. Bye. We got one. Cool. As opposed to different areas where you go into a workplace and if you're not one of the people in the group, and we've talked about this on too damn many occasions, you get shoved to the outsider category and you'll be damned if you can get past that barrier. You're so lucky in that respect. It's it's just. I I think for me in particular, um, it was you know I've been ten years doing a show which is publicly accessible, which is uh you know on the internet, which is on the radio, and I'm I'm Googleable to be able to find it. And what it's also motivated me to do is. Uh, one, stay in public schools because I have good union protection there. Um, but then also two, to uh, really make what I do in my professional life um, unassailable in terms of religion. And I try. And by unassailable, I don't mean that I won't make mistakes and have to apologize. Um, but if if I am a teacher where 
the kids need a classroom to have their Bible study or to hang out during lunchtime during Ramadan. Like, if kids can come to my room, then it doesn't matter that I'm an atheist or not. And I would argue perhaps that a teacher that is an atheist that doesn't really have any preference to religion, it's like, well, it's kind of all the same to me. Like, I don't like if you want to do if you're if your regular Bible study club after school club advisor is gone for the day, like if we allow a, a, a robotics club and if we allow a, a cooking club, then you have to allow all all student organized clubs. So yeah, there might be a, a Jesus club on campus. Um, their advisor is out for the day and they need a classroom on their afternoon. Great, okay, yeah, go by next door. You know, go to Friedman's room. That's cool. And it's it's been interesting then, sort of that revealing that you are an atheist because you can. In, like you said, in many places, it's, it's, you know, dangerous professionally and socially to reveal that. Um, but I feel very comfortable at this point, um, saying, look, I, I stand by what I do. I do, you know, excellent work in the community. We most recently, since lockdown, have been really working on our nonprofit, non-commercial community radio station. Um, and even there, we have a policy, an editorial policy that says, you know, any kind of community media that comes in, that's awesome. We want to amplify diverse voices from where we live. But editorially, we're not a place for proselytizing. We're not a place for you coming and doing a show for an hour on, you know, giving homily or, or uh, you know, something like that. And um, and so being as as open and pluralistic in my outlook and interaction, I think, helps as well. And the fact that someone hears my declining of no, I don't. I'm not going to join your Bible study, right? Your 6:45 a.m. Bible study at, at in the staff lounge. Uh, it went over just as easily as me saying no, I'm not going to come to the gym at 5:30 and join your teacher squash group because 5:30 I'm still asleep. <laughs> and so to have that be just as as little of an issue as as possible it's just another part of human interest it's not that you are uh you are bad or immoral as a person it's not that you are i mean i don't know some people could get really really into their their exercise routine so maybe the people who do crossfit and squash games at 5:30 a.m. in the gym maybe they have more uh moral judgments against me <laughs> as a late sleeper than even the bible study teachers but I think the 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 piece that I want to make sure that I hit for you is that when you went ahead and you said no, thank you, it wasn't a thing. It was a non-issue. And I think that's what makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? The people who go ahead and say, "Okay, you're not uh, you're you're not doing the same kind of thing as me." Okay, you know that, that's fine. Versus the people who are, you don't do the same thing as me. I will make you do the same thing as me. That's entirely the 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 biggest difference between how how these things come out. And God, isn't it so much easier when we have, you know, no real concerns when people are just you don't do it? Okay. And and, and that's the and that's the end of it. 
Now, I should say something. I should I should do a little callback to something that you said, which is a lot of people think that okay, Washington State, it's always blue. This is the liberal left coast. Oh, no, 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 no. If there's but, one thing that I've learned about Washington State from listening to you guys is that it is not always blue. It is occasionally burnt umber and um, ash and uh, orange in the night sky. But I'm I'm talking about the weather patterns and fires as opposed to the voting districts but that's we haven't the had east of the cascades and there you go yes Trump that's land. that's really what it is um so definitely east of the cascades you have these little pockets of liberal um blue voting or even non-blue non-red but even third party and alternate places um west of the cascades much more urban but when I think back to where I live in Pierce County, uh, Pierce County has the, the county seat is Tacoma. And that's my city where I live. And at one point, the Advocate magazine uh, named Tacoma as like the top gay friendliest cities in uh, in the country, as measured by how many queer uh, elected officials were like on the city council and how many roller derby leagues there were <laughs> in a certain radius, stuff like that. And and how many bars there are. So how many gay bars? So you have that. But the same year that that happened, we had what was called Referendum 74, which was before Obergefell v. Hodges uh, basically legalized marriage equality throughout every state and territory in the U.S. Um, but uh, we had a voter initiative that said, yes, we want to approve what the state legislature said, which is that folks of, you know, that marriage doesn't have to be just between a man and a woman. And uh, Pierce County, although the the whole measure passed, Pierce County, where Tacoma, apparently the friendliest gay city uh, in in the U.S. is, the county didn't approve it by a majority. Um, the city certainly did, but uh, voters in the whole county didn't. And so even you can have this kind of like cascade dividing line with Western Washington and Eastern Washington. But increasingly, you have what you see throughout a lot of the country, which is rural versus urban. Um, and when we drive out to some of the more rural areas of our county, you'll see it's Trump land. Um, and you'll see that uh, it's it's very much, you know, a lot of the Republican and extremist Republican talking points on billboards, lots of religious stuff, lots of, you know, Jesus things here or anti-abortion billboards. Um, and then you'll have these little little pockets where someone will be like rural American against Trump. Um, and that's cool. Uh, and so it's it is diverse in terms of, you know, it's not monolithic. And Bremerton is just a ferry ride away from Seattle. And Bremerton is where this is happening. And there are a ton of folks that are very much pro coach Kennedy. And um, and so it's. It's Washington State's not just this like, you know, liberal bastion of Amazonness and Microsoftness um, and liberal thinking and you know the Pacific Northwest isn't all a little sparrow landing on Bernie's podium in a soccer stadium. You know, it's uh, it's it's very mixed, and you get anytime someone that feels like they're a minority politically. Um, and religiously, you have the chance of them having uh, a shouty voice, 
we have an elected official in Eastern Washington called Matt Shea. And when you're talking about sometimes we are not a fully blue state, this is someone in our legislature who publicized or who published a, 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 a screed, a manifesto um, that was uh, that is publicly available online. It's searchable. You can look for Matt Shea, S-H-E-A. And uh, he had the biblical guide to warfare. And it was basically anyone who's, it's a bunch of Old Testament quotes, a bunch of Hebrew scriptures quotes that are about how you need to, you know, kill all the non-believers. And he's also, you know, encouraging folks to do watches on the mosques that are locally there. Um, It's, it's, it can be scary. It's fair to call him a, a terrible human being, I think. I think that I think that'd be fair to go ahead and say, but this is coming from somebody who um does not have a religious reason to hurt other people or to stalk other people or to hunt other people. I guess basically that makes me a better person, huh look at that. It's amazing how easy it is to do that anyway, yeah uh, the it's tough to have to deal with these people. These people who end up getting into elected positions. Uh, never mind school districts. I mean, it's hard to look at what happens in these areas where we think that, you know, people should be better. Okay. I'm going to be using an incredibly broad brush for a second and such as. And I'm using it only because the the burnt umber thing, because I was thinking about Bob Vila last week, another thing, but only just to make the point, when we think that these people, so many of these people, and by these people, I mean the people who are in our overall relatively local communities, should be better educated than that. We expect that so many people should be better people than how they are and god damn how frustrating this is you i I gotta imagine like with me where i live where i am i'm in very much in the rural area outside of buffalo new york you i have to imagine you've also got trump 2020 flags still flying proudly up on those poles I've taken it on myself to uh, throw the finger at them every time I drive by them. Every time I drive by them. Because I can. I know, I know, I know. It's performance art for my own damn self. But you know what? It makes me feel better. And it's not telling anybody else what's going on. And if they see it, eh, what are they going to do? Okay, I am out in the rural area. They could try to take a shot at me. But, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm already, you know, 40, 50 meters down the road by the time they've even noticed. So, you know, screw them. They're not going to get a shot on me. There's plenty of, you know, trees and whatnot in the way. So, you know, I'm, I'm not too terribly worried about that. I think the best way we can um, counter this, because these people aren't the majority. No, they're not. And... That's, you know, they're the noisiest, but uh, they're not the majority. So I think the best way to counter this is to somehow motivate uh, more voters to 
implicate themselves in a democratic system. There's, you know, I don't know what the turnout was for the last election, but I mean, um, the, not so many people are voting. But if more people voted, um, I think, uh, I think the 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 content of the political system would reflect um, national opinion a little more. I don't remember what the percentage was, but I do remember uh, the quote, whether or not it's it's real or not, I don't remember, that as voting percentages go up, Democratic candidates win far and away more often. And it's 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 just the the subversion of voting rights that keeps that from not swelling through the the ranks of everything but there is something about this that i i do want to kind of i do kind of want to hit um bef- before the show uh when i was kind of talking with becky and and telling her about some of the stuff that i wanted to talk about because she is an educator she is in the public school system which great job as somebody that's only had two years of spanish uh, seventh grade and eleventh grade, and I'm far, far past all that. I can still remember a couple of things that I can read still to this day. So you know, go me. That's about it. Do you, from what from what you've seen, and I know you you try to keep um, as even a keel as possible on a, on a lot of different areas. The students that you've seen over the last. Shit, wait a minute. How long is it that you have been teaching? I, I've I've completely forgotten. So I started my career in 2004 in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. So about 15 years as a classroom teacher and a few years as an instructional coach, a few years in there, thrown in there as a full-time grad student and part-time teacher. So... I think at some point I counted that or estimated that I had uh, something like 10,000 students that I've had contact with as like on my roster in the last, uh, you know, 15 years or so. It's a lot of people. As somebody who wanted to be uh, a music teacher back in the day. Wow. That's before you go into it, you don't realize how many lives you end up influencing one way or another. Jesus, I didn't even think about that. The The question that I was actually kind of going to was, having so many students over, well, over a decade, uh, I, I just want to kind of cap it there for a moment. Do you kind of feel like the students that are coming up that you've seen like I said, over the last 10 years are really becoming far and away more aware of what's happening socially and politically. Um, Because I, from what I've seen as a parent, like I said, with my little one having, you know, finished one year of college and, and going to second, the, Kids that have been coming up over the last couple of years, I think, have been incredibly tuned into what's what's going on now, 
and are really paying attention to it and probably formulating some real opinions on what they can do to work with it, change it. I don't want to say go ahead and destroy it because Lord knows we really don't want that to be happening. Thank you very much. That's a sort of change. It it is. It's it's a little bit more dramatic than I think most people would be comfortable with. But then again, I was the one that said that maybe uh, you could make an argument for bringing in the um, the anarchist cookbook as a as a book to bring into school. Which I, I kids don't do that. Really don't do that. Keep it on a floppy disk where it belongs. First, you'll have to teach what floppy disks are. Okay, yes, I know. I'm old. You know what? Bite me. I don't care. <laughs> Fucking man. I've got, I've got audio All of us here. here are old enough to, to remember floppy disks. I've got- Oh, sure, sure, sure. I've got videotape <laughs> somewhere. I've got, a, I've got a zip drive and a jazz drive here. Don't screw with me. Oh, we we live in oh, a I know, I know. full of retro computing equipment, retro gaming and retro computing equipment. Uh, one of Sam's uh, uh, more, more frequent, recent acquisitions that I helped um, with was uh, uh, running up to meeting someone to uh, who was giving us two pets. And pets are Commodores. So uh, hopefully between the two of them, we'll get one working one out of them. Um, if you... Not sure what a Commodore pet is. That it looks real fun when you look it up online. Oh yes, it uh, is. It looks very, very just retro and sci-fi and yeah. So that that's fun. Um, but in terms of your a little bit more serious, in terms of your question of our kids today, like more aware, more motivated. I as I'm as I'm now completely out of the same generation of the kids I'm teaching, because for a while I was, for a while I was definitely part of the same generation of the the kids that I was teaching. Cause I started teaching it, you know, baby o'clock. Um, <laughs> I started teaching at age 22, like right out of college. And I am on the older end of millennial and my kids were still millennials. So now the kids I'm teaching, none of them, you know, were alive when, uh, 9-11 happened. They have known uh, their whole lives of uh, conflicts in, um, you know, in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, so I, I caution myself when I start thinking about kids these days. My first thing is that I don't know. I don't know what kids these days are thinking, experiencing, and doing. But I'm really hopeful that uh, that they're going to be doing stuff. I know that I think that this pandemic will be like for how many of us sort of 9-11 was as like a change in defining sort of your your adolescence or young adulthood, um, especially kids that, you know, were, were maybe 12 and up, um, will define it in a way it, it, that, that this event of the last two years will define their political outlook, how they want to engage in the world. Um, and so I'm seeing a lot of increased awareness. I'm seeing a lot of jaded uh, feelings. Um, I'm seeing a lot of distrust. Um, and I hope that that distrust can can persist as healthy skepticism to try and uncover when people are lying, uncover to see the soup that you're in that you don't even see. Sort of, you know, like wise fish talks to young fish and says, hey, how's the water? 
And they kind of nod and swim away. And the young fish talk, you know, one young fish talks to the other one says, what the hell is water? That the, the stuff that you're swimming in that you don't even realize aware of. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that that persists into healthy skepticism with a desire and ability to change things. And I think that whatever is going to change, it's not going to be me. It's not going to be anyone born after, born, excuse me, before 1985 who is going to be the one to change it. And I was talking to a friend recently who has um, some young kids, some, you know, like eight and five years old, and he's my age. And he says, next next president, I would be great. I, I don't want to even have, I don't want to have a Gen X president. I don't want to have a millennial president even. Just hand it over to some 21-year-old. Like, we are done. It should be in the hands of someone else because we have screwed things over. We have screwed things up and we are stuck in this kind of way. And it was, it was a drastic thing that he said, but it gave me pause and it gave me thought. Um, when I look at uh, people talking about sort of generations and what they're known for and what the, the ethos of that generation is and then how you go about doing things as part of that generation – like, maybe we do need, maybe we're too stuck in the soup that we're swimming in, and we do need to hand it out. Maybe not to some 21, um, I don't want to, or a very specific, well-informed, <laughs> um, uh, well-motivated, valued person who's 21. I mean, I'm not looking forward to the purge, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, some in some places, in a lot of people's lived experiences, the Purge is, and I'm referring to that horrible line of movies um, that some people consider entertainment, um, it's not too far away from what people are experiencing now, even in the U.S., in some aspects. And so there's got to be something better. And uh, as an educator, I try and build up kids who will be the people to put me out of a job and put our elected officials out of a job because they need to do that. They need to be the ones to be able to do that. And I say that as someone who is just on the cusp of turning 40. So I am not terribly aged or experienced myself. Okay. 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 I have to remind myself every once in a while that I'm older than that. As much as I complain that I'm 39 years old, I don't want to talk about how many times around 39 I've been, thank you. I'll leave it where it is. Um, let's also remember, everybody, legally, president can't be any younger than 35, which is a minor annoyance. But the, the point is, is well-placed that we need much younger up and coming thoughts for a change. Um, the, uh, the guy that I was talking with you about, uh, earlier before the show, uh, Dr. Plant from, uh, Canada, one who, uh, ju just got himself his, his, uh, teaching gig, so to speak, uh, in college. One of the things that he said last week that kind of stuck with me is that the kids in college kids, that he's got in college now. One of the things that's kind of special about them, reminding you that uh, he deals in psychology, is that they are tuned in enough that they can smell the bullshit before it's finished getting past your lips. And they're just not having it anymore. And I think that's one of the things that's just 
that that's why I was kind of asking if from your position as a secondary ed, you know, level, as opposed to the guys who are dealing with, you know, college university where you've got a much different area. Kind of wondering if that's if I totally agree. It is something that I see. Uh, in adolescence, there is naturally a tendency to be anti-authoritarian and disbelieve and forge your own way um, and and push back against adults that are saying things. Find the punk but, scene. <laughs> but yes, being able to detect the bullshit before it is even finished passing your lips is something that I absolutely see. Um, the the little thing to watch out for is... Um, is there also some other bullshit somewhere else that they are spouting or that a peer is spouting who is motivating in a particular way? Is there an Instagram influencer that's out there that is, you know, spouting bullshit? Most kids are pretty good at still seeing that. But it takes that that authority that's a little bit closer to you to be able to, like, push back against them, I think. Uh, but in, you know, I work with kids age eight and up, through Camp Quest Northwest, I work with kids and teachers in a high school environment. So that's age 14 through actually 21. Um, and then grownups as well. Um, and I would say that that kids are pretty good at it and pretty used to it now in a way that, um, you know, there's not just they're not just going to comply with everything. And it's not the bad kids on compliant in terms of thought in terms of taking things at face value without taking healthy skepticism and looking at it and saying, wait a sec. Eh, wait, wait a sec. Even before getting to the bullshit part, um, it's super easy to detect somebody who's uh, dictating something at you and uh, someone else who's uh, presenting an argument. Yeah, um, I think one of the but things no, that, sorry. No, yeah, sorry, but uh, just to elaborate a bit. But I mean, um, you know, somebody who's going to make a proposition, uh, for us to consider, you know, that's, that's one approach. You know, that's normally how a democracy should work. But when you have somebody in front of you telling you, you know, how you should be thinking or how you should be behaving, um, Presenting it as a quote-unquote truth, uh, without any possibility of consideration, without even waiting for any feedback, um, that's where the bullshit starts, as far as I'm concerned. And even speaking from my perspective as a as a kid, I mean, even at a young age, uh, you know, my parents would say to me, uh, "Yeah, well, you're going to do this," and you know, I would ask why, and they wouldn't have an answer. <laughs> Yeah, that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Because, because I said so. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm trying to think how to, how to properly word it, uh, other than the younger generations now are the ones who are, sadly, they have been tainted with the, you told me twice and now shame on us if we don't actually push back on all this stuff now because you fooled us more than once more than twice you've been fooling everybody for decades 
And you old geezers are still the ones that are in positions of authority, and you keep expecting us to go ahead and do this. No, we're not doing that. Thank you very much. It's a lot. It's one thing to reject authority, um, you know, because um, with the progression of science, um, religion, you know, their claims are becoming increasingly ludicrous. You know, from a, from a young perspective, but um, if you're going to reject authority, uh, you have to replace it with something else. I like the and idea of replacing authority with the question of why. Exactly, autonomous thought. Because either you're going to leave the responsibility to the quote-unquote authority figures, or you're going to take on the responsibility onto your own shoulders of deciding what's good for you and your fellow human. Yeah. Here's a thing that always gives me pause. In in uh, groups of atheists and skeptics, um, we like saying, hey, argumentum ad authority, argument to authority, right? That's a logical fallacy. Don't fall into the logical fallacy of trusting authority just because it's authority. We say it in our own little camp quest ads. Don't, just because an authority says it doesn't make it true. Yes, I know. But at the same time, uh, we have, um, we have a, a problem and a distrust of people who have, um, in sort of in, when you're evaluating sources for research and for uh, evidence and truth, um, we have a real distrust of authority who are well trained. So someone who is uh, who has done years of work in a particular field, who has lots of training and expertise in that particular field is being distrusted at the same rate that anyone, because they're an authority, is being dis- distrusted. And so to say someone like um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is very well versed in virology and epidemiology and in health, uh, well, we should disbelieve him because he's an authority. No, no, no. It means don't it doesn't mean disbelieve authority just because they're authority and authority means nothing. It means just because an authority someone's an authority on something doesn't mean everything they say is true. So if Dr. Anthony Fauci starts talking about, um, you know, Victorian literature, it might not be wrong. I mean, it might not be right because he doesn't have that expertise and training on that. Uh, if Anthony Fauci starts talking about whether I should uh, brush my cat uh, in the direction of his fur or in the opposite direction of his fur, well, he doesn't have expertise or authority in veterinary science. Um, and so... One thing that I, I do recommend, and I have no financial incentive to do so at all, but I really like um, John Green and Hank Green, the Vlog Brothers. We call back to our uh, to our horrible scopes uh, where we had a John Green quote, but they actually two years ago or so did a really good crash course series on um, on evaluating information, especially stuff that you see online, and it's different from you know. Look at the uh the look at the website and see this and da da da. It's much more current. It's like what an influencer on Instagram says, or how you can cite links and f- cite sources by hyperlinking and then following those hyperlinks. Um, and so there's some really good distinction that he does in one of the the that crash course series on evaluating information on um what does it mean to be an authority or to have authority that is trustworthy and credible. 
um, and verifiable. And so that is one thing that even that especially amongst teenagers, but then even amongst atheists and skeptics, there is some authority that we want to be able to um, put trust in. And when I lived in Arizona, for instance, it was a vote. There was a voter initiative of whether uh, whether kids should receive uh, transitional bilingual education or be plopped into English immersion with like very little support. And that went to the public, the voting public as a ballot initiative. And it completely disregarded any of the research and expertise of how language learning works, how the experience of a child, it might be different, a child in 2002 might be different from the experience of your grandfather in uh, in New York City in the 1940s. Um, and so it's that, that kind of thing where we have an inherent distrust of authority because of whatever. Um, that's a thing that I would like to see change. Wow. That's... That's scary. That is a that is a scary concept to me. I mean, Jesus, you want to talk about traumatizing a kid that's trying to learn English as a second or even a third language, and you just effectively plop them in the middle of a, a new country with virtually no support to try to come to grips with, okay, I need to learn how to speak all this or die. Oh, God, that's... Oh, wow. And just saying, yeah, let's just have the people decide who don't know anything about uh, education or linguistic studies or um, the trauma that's going to be instilled on these kids. <sighs> and you said that that one, that one failed, right? That one went through? That one went through as a voter passed initiative. Um, same thing happened. This is about the early 2000s in uh, California, Arizona, Colorado, Massachusetts. And it goes, it, it speaks to a lot of what people feel about like language learning and what their immigrant grandparents might have gone through. Even, um, you know, immigrants who have children that might be less informed about what is um, helpful for that. I mean, we now have parents who are, uh, who are non-English speakers who are maintaining English or who are maintaining their native tongue at home and are teaching their kids dual language style. Um, and while it was a, you know, it was an erroneous belief that, oh, I shouldn't speak to my kids in Spanish. Uh, I shouldn't speak to my kids in Russian. I shouldn't speak to my kids in Somali because it'll hurt what they're learning in school, it'll hurt their ability to learn English. Well, that through research has been disproven. And the, you know, we've tried to do a lot of like education of immigrant families um, to say, no, it's completely okay to preserve your heritage language. It's good for um, both the cognitive aspects of maintaining your language. And it's also um, really good socially for, you know, kids having that sense of belonging, having that sense of feeling if they're in a new place having that connection. So there's there's all kinds of stuff um, regarding that. And hey, you know what? More research might come out in 10 years and we might find that there's something different that we might want to advocate for practice. There's always, there's always new research and that's always a good thing. Um, uh, TDTF pod over in the chat, by the way. Good morning. 
Good to see you over there. Uh, had uh, had you put a lot of stuff over there in the chat, and I'm I'm still reading it and still trying to digest it and trying to figure out what part I can uh, what part I can comment to. Uh, but there were two pieces. Uh, the first of which was sink or swim. Oh my god, that's that's not even a joke. I mean, the the concept of dropping somebody in a new country that where they don't speak the language and trying to find their way through. I mean, there is a true analog to trying to do that kind of just drop a kid into a classroom and expect them to learn how to speak a new language that they don't know anything about. That's just, like I said, I didn't get to be a teacher myself, but that concept is terrifying to me. I mean, hell, kids get at least some semblance of explanation for learning um, music in grade school before they're actually dropped into, I don't know, learning Beethoven's fifth. Just as a, as a thing. Um, but there was one piece that, uh, that he put over here that, uh, I, I wanted to specifically bring in here in a world where everything has online connectivity. What effect is there on people when that becomes the only means of community? And with the, uh, with the, with the time that we've got left, I think that's something that, uh, I want to kind of touch on because, like I said, I wanted to, I wanted to talk with you about, you know, what, it, what it's like being a teacher. And yeah, we're kind of scraping part of the surface of that. But I think that is something that kind of ties into dropping into full immersion. The, the, the shitstorm that has been the last two years of people who are in the school systems who are all of a sudden just like, okay, everybody, your syllabus, throw it out. New plan. And we're making it up as we go along. Okay, here we go. Here's what we're going to do. I hope. The social aspect of being a teacher I mean, we, we've, we've heard what it's been like for, you know, some of these students that parents have seen where it's like, the kids want to be together. They, they miss each other. Okay. Yeah. We, we kind of get that. But from the standpoint of being the teacher where your social interaction is to help bring up the, to, to instill the want to learn. The last two years have been an absolute shit fest of trying to hit, trying to nail jello to a wall that's been thrown out of moving car and your weapon of choice is a nail gun that you have to put your hand on the safety in order to launch the damn thing out through and, and you're blowing on the end in order to give the, the air to push this thing through. This has got to be absolutely this had to have been an absolute insanity match for the first, I don't know, couple of months minimum. Um, yes, and it still is. And we don't know what the effect is. We're going to be seeing the effect firsthand and we're going to be studying the effect for the next five, 10, 15 years. Um, I think that it's, it's got to be a really rich area for research because we need to know. We need to know what's going on. We can see like viscerally what's going on with kids for a very small percentage of kids doing school online was magical and transformative. Um, there are some great things like 
kids started actually getting more sleep. Um, you know, they, they initially, when the, when the school shutdowns happened, school closings happened, um, kids were getting more sleep. They were better rested, but they're kind of zombies. Um, in, from a lot of initial reports and interactions, we know that parents have just seen their kids' mental health decline. Um, and it's, and, and along with adults, right? I mean, cause it's, this is a completely huge shift in the way that we do everything. And for so many of us, um, even those whose workplace circumstances didn't change at all, it was a huge shift for the way they do everything because they're at work when the world is at home. Um, and I think that we don't quite know what long-term effects are going to be. We can, you know, there's, there's initial research and polls and lots of anecdotal, uh, you know, attestations about what it's like. Um, I can say that from a high school instructional coach perspective, the hugest thing was just kids just tuning out and turning off. And for something that you're not paying for, so you're not worried, oh, I have to get it. You're not, uh, you're not, um, being made to go, you know, in person. Um, and you have a huge amount of stress in your life. It's really hard to say, all right, I'm going to show up to, you know, five classes and sit online for five hours without real breaks. Um, I, I mean, I would stay in bed. I, as an instructional coach, half the time, I mean, you only see my, you know, my shoulders and up in the frame. Half the time I was braless in pajamas too, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's hard. I mean, I'm not getting up and putting on a, a, you know, slacks and a sweater and cardigan and makeup and stuff. So there was a lot that, that, yeah, throw out the syllabus, start something new, but there was also a, an urge to say, no, let's keep it, things as normal as possible. And I think that there was some, some huge squandering of the opportunity to re-envision and reevaluate what public education might look like, what self-paced education might look like. And I, one of the things I'm worried about is, okay, we're excited to go back to school in the fall. Um, and a big part of my job is going to be disabusing teachers, parents, and kids that it's all back to normal. Same thing as what it was before. And disabusing teachers and parents and kids of this notion of learning loss. Like, no, you didn't learn what society had expected you to learn in two years, but you did not stop learning, right? All the different kinds of like coping skills, maybe some of the stuff you learned was maladaptive. Maybe it's, maybe it's not measured on a test. Um, maybe what you learned doesn't help you with uh, ninth grade algebra. Um, and maybe for the teacher that thinks, great, I'm assigned to teach 11th grade English and ninth grade English, and the kids are coming in with no skills. Great. We take the kids where they're at. You know, screw this idea of learning law, right? You And especially, I think the experience of being an English learner's teacher, where you have kids who are migrating and immigrating and coming in at all different points in their educational experience, can sort of give that perspective. We're now just applying it to everyone, right? When I would have a classroom that would start the year in September with 18 English learners between the ages of 14 and 21, and they're all newcomers. Um, and then we would end the year with a group of 15, only three of whom were the same kids that started out in the beginning of the year, just because of the nature of migration and immigration, and not to mention economics. 
um, you take the kids where they're at and you incorporate them and try and, you know, zoom through where we are in the curriculum. But we're going to have to do a whole lot of reevaluating these sort of like curricular progressions and doing a whole lot of social emotional learning and connection. Um, and that's, that's a thing that's a challenge that I'm excited for in the, the school year, actually, if that makes sense. Like, I'm actually excited. Like, that's part of my job to brainstorm and work together with teachers to say, how can we meet the kids where they're at, make it better, get through what we need to get through. Um, I'm really hoping that that school districts and colleges and everyone really adjust what their what their goals are for like what those benchmarks are and what those needs are because people are going to be in all different places. Guys, anything else to uh, drop over in here? Well, just uh, I think there's one more level you can add is it's um. You know, for somebody who's uh, an immigrant to a country, um, having to learn the ways of the, the quote-unquote majority uh, at the same time as um, observing um, a rejection by the same must be very stressful. Which is kind of like when, when you're talking about a sense of community, I mean... Um, um, people of an ethnic origin that are rejected by the greater majority, uh, they tend to, um, oh, I forgot the word in English, but to, to fall back to their ethnic origins and, you know, speak native language at home. Uh, whereas if there was more acceptance by the, the, the greater majority, I think there'd be less of a tendency to do that. It could be. Um, we're getting uh, we're getting pretty close to the top of the hour, so we got to see about uh, we got to see about wrapping this up. Uh, there, guys over in the live chat, I have been looking. I had, like I said, I have been trying to work through and digest uh, the stuff that you guys have written in there for whatever reason tonight and it i don't think it's the alcohol by any stretch of imagination i've been snacking a lot today so i don't think the alcohol has been doing it for me i've been i've been trying to find some way of uh commenting on stuff that you guys have been specifically saying so if please do not in any way shape or form think that i have been ignoring you i've been actually really hard trying to figure out what do I say with this? Do I even understand what it is that's been said? So, you know, thank you guys chiming in. Um, God, try to, try to, try to find a way through so many of these different pieces. It's just been such an annoyance. There's so many different pieces that just don't, just don't make sense. And the, the fact that so many of us are, are trying to find our way through it and, and help steer the younger ones through it all too at the same time when we don't even know what the hell we're doing in some respects. Calling this whole damn thing a shit show is, is not a stretch, but uh, you know, we, we try. Um, 
since we don't have a, a heck of a lot of time, uh, Bridget, was there anything, uh, was there anything that you wanted to, to, uh, to get out before, uh, before I go ahead and close this proper? Going to say that it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens this fall with, with school and all that, what the new normal is going to look like. Um, but I think it's pretty safe to say that there is no going back to normal the way that it was before. And uh, yeah, the poor kids, I just, I feel bad for everything that they've had to go through. And I'm sure that to them, you know, this is bad as nine 11 was for us. And this is going to define that generation. And we'll have to wait and see, you know, what they do with it and how that affects them. Yeah, there's that. Uh, Stephanie, by the way, said, it has been the most polite power of 10 show ever. <laughs> I cannot help but be absolutely thrilled that you would say such a thing. And You're I mean, fucking right. There, there, there is that, but no, seriously, it is, it is, it is so nice, uh, for you to basically bump up my morality, uh, not, not morality. I, I forget exactly what the, what, what the right term is, uh, but you know, thank you. And in the spirit of reciprocity up yours too. So, you know, thank you. I can't tell you how old that joke is, but I will tell you it's not older than me. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, Joseph, any 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 last item that uh, you want to get dropped into here too? By the way, no, it's okay. I already got my f bomb in. That's fair enough. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give uh, Rebecca the, the chance to to finish. Uh, and and have the last word on it all. Uh, my la my last thing with the whole damn thing is just that, even with the story that we that prompted this whole damn thing, it's annoying because it's something that should have just gone away. We end up now talking about stuff medically that could have just gone away, and again, it's just frustrating with the whole damn thing. But you know what? The best that we can do is, even though, as was, uh, who, 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 who said it over here? TD. Blind leading the blind. We always are. That's the nature of the scientific method. You don't know until you get there. And right now, the problem is that we only know enough to kind of know what direction to go. The problem is there's so many of them that there's no real easy way of knowing which one is the right direction to go. That's the nature of the beast. That's what sucks about being in the middle of scientific investigation. You don't know in the middle of it all. So we try, we do the best that we can. And we try really hard not to stub our toe as we're going along. Just be real careful for yourselves. Becky, you get the opportunity to uh, go ahead and say off whatever it is that you'd like to. And reminding you that hearing you operate blue on a show for a change, I'm sorry. That's really just delicious for me. You're such okay, a nasty I think bitch. I love it. 
I think that I got into, you know, we're talking about school and teaching and whatnot, and I've been on Zoom calls with kids and professionals, so I think that my context is just telling me, shut the fuck up with your swear words. Um, And then being on actual terrestrial radio, oh, that's no-nos. Yeah, 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 I know. um, So you're probably not used to hearing me cuss at all. Uh, well, that's because uh, normally you don't in a medium where other people could typically hear you in large groups. Right. That is the case. Um, that is not to say that I do not get mouthy. So, the things that I am mouthy about right now are people that grumble about kids these days. Fucking stop it. Kids these days are amazing and hurting and wonderful and will be responsible for saving us or saving themselves from shit that we fuck up. Um, what else? Uh, if you want to pray in schools and you are an extension of the state by way of being a public school employee, fucking stop. Leave it alone. Um, if you are a kid who wants to do so, okay. That's cool. (laughs) Um, and, uh, Get the fucking vaccination if you are medically eligible to do so. Um, I have a friend whose daughter is turning 12 in August, and the only thing that she wants for her birthday is her COVID vaccine. And she made her mom, like, we're not even doing appointments anymore. You can walk into any grocery store, pharmacy, or any health department clinic and go. And she's like, no, mom, I need confirmation that my appointment will be for my birthday. Um, when there is a child who is begging to get their COVID shot as their only birthday present as they are entering adolescence, um, hey, grownups, you can do the same thing. Uh, I have a nephew who is 11. And he is just grumbling and griping about why can't they just lower the age? It's not that much of a difference between 11 and 12. I'm already bigger than half the 12-year-olds in 8th grade anyway. Or in 6th grade anyway. Kids are wanting it. And so, until they can get it, protect us and protect them. Um, And uh, wear your masks if you're in a... wear Wear your N95 masks if you're in an area where... Lots of grown-ups are not uh, itching to get the vaccine. So I know, Bridget, you said that vaccination rates are pretty low where you are. Um, I still keep being surprised to discover folks that I'm acquainted with, right, that I am peers with that still aren't vaccinated yet who are fully eligible. So there's lots of there's lots of ways to get your vaccine and lots of ways to, you know, consider it. Um, and uh, we have some really – you said – Shujin, we're in the middle of our science experiment right now and our research. Um, we're at, we are in the middle of it. And there's a lot of good evidence to say that this shot is safe and adds to the safety of our community. Um, I'm excited for camp. I'm excited for school. And I am grateful for the opportunity to join the crap crew. <laughs> did I get it right? You did. Finally, after all this time. <laughs> yes, finally join. Um, and that my partner Sam of uh, Ask an Atheist with Sam Mulvey sends his regards to the whole crap crew and listeners and greater community and should be making an appearance at some point, hopefully in the future, on the vlogcast. 
that'd be really cool. Um, just before we go ahead and close, I just remembered something that we talked about back then. Uh, the Katzenera party that had happened. What finally happened with that? Okay, so our cat. I don't think we would have gotten through this lockdown and pandemic without <laughs> our animals. Um, so we were comparing Katzenera's instead of Quinceañera's. Uh, coming of age parties for your cat um and mr adventure our cat was turning 13 so we were going to have his cat mitzvah um instead of his bat mitzvah other people call it a bar mitzvah um or a per mitzvah i don't know whatever um but coming from jewish heritage that's and him being 13 that's what we were really psyched about uh it would have been like like right at the beginning of the pandemic so we couldn't have any kind of like bar for parties for him and uh well now he's 14 so i think we're just gonna have to wait until he turns 15 and have a cat Sarah. and um we'll probably outfit him fully in the like puffy pink dress no not at all this is not a cat who wears clothes no. um but uh he's he's doing well and kicking and uh i am grateful to all of the pets that share our lives <laughs> that we share our lives with because i think that that has been a great comfort the one thing that i remember commenting on because i knew nothing about that particular story at the time and you kind of threw it over to me is like you got anything to say about this and i'm just like yeah remember bactein is still a thing that's sold if you're trying to put stuff onto your cats you may need that <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much the whole, uh, the whole of it all at this point. So folks, we do need to go ahead and wrap up stuff. So of course, as always, everybody, thank you very much for being with us. We hope that you found something worthwhile in all of our perspectives. You got something to think about for the, for the weeks ahead with all the stuff that's going on. So of course, over in the chat, guys, thank you very much. TTTF, Stephanie, Felis. Uh, I know Doc had to. Go to sleep. I mean, it's O'Dark stupid in the morning over there in Great Britain. So perfectly understandable. You guys, please have a safe, healthy week ahead. Thank you so much. Rebecca Friedman from Ask an Atheist with Sam Mulvey, which he hates that that's the actual name and people keep using it. I've kind of noticed um, who uses. Th oh, that's right. It's you that keeps me at a bitch in his side constantly using it and i can almost hear his eyes rolling every time you do that because that's officially what it is but that's okay seriously rebecca thank you ever so much for you know taking the time to be with please any and everything that you'd like to go ahead and plug at the moment feel free i will make sure that uh before we let you go i make sure that i've got all the links for all the uh all the stuff for you guys well uh there is atheist.radio is where you can find ask an atheist and uh, Camp Quest Northwest is particularly uh, our chapter, but CampQuest.org. So CampQuestNorthwest.org or CampQuest.org will take you to lots of information about Camp Quest. Um, Camp Quest Northwest is still looking for a uh, waterfront lifeguard uh, for August 15th through 20th. Um, and so uh, including out-of-state volunteers, if there's folks that want to take a vacation and just want to come to a majestic place uh, on the western Washington coast and basically just supervise kids lifeguarding three hours a day um, in a really, really great environment and then have nothing to do the rest of the time, um, ping us or go to campquestnorthwest.org. Um, 
go visit your local libraries or tune into whatever they're doing. Um, there's lots of outdoor stuff to be doing. Uh, that's just a plug for how to create connections with humanity. Um, and your libraries will probably have even passes to those outdoor spaces, uh, museums, zoos, nature centers, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So um, that's awesome. Uh, and you can visit ktqa.org. That is our community radio station that we are running. And uh, we're in the middle of some changes and fun stuff, but there's, uh, you can listen to us streaming right there. That's KTQA. That's Kilo Tango Quebec Alpha.org. And uh, I thank you again for having me on. No worries. No worries. I, you know, every once in a while, I keep, I'm not going to say any much too much about it, but uh, every once in a while, I keep forgetting that you actually know your way around that stuff. Well, we'll after after the after the show, we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit further about that one. But uh, no, seriously, it's it's uh, it's really good. And uh, as as an addition, by the way, for some folks, I don't know about everybody's county libraries or local libraries, but over here in Erie County, New York, where Buffalo is located, amongst other things that they've got available for folks to use are three D printers, and all they say is. Pay for the materials that you use. They're on a first-come, first-use basis, but all you need to do is have a card with us and pay for the material that you use. Guys, what better opportunity? Joseph, good morning. Thank you very much. Glad you were able to make it. You have a good, safe week. Yep. Back to work on Monday. Fair and enough. you take care. Um, Stay safe out there. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. And Bridget, you know what time it is. <laughs> yes, it's time to say fuck Mike Pence and fuck the GQP. And I would like to give a special fuck you to Jim Jordan. That's a good one. He deserves it. And everybody, please wear a fucking mask. Yes. Thank and you. people around here, not that anybody from here is listening to me, stop assaulting people for wearing a mask. Stop pulling guns on people for wearing a mask. Stop it. And I need to get out of here. I know. I need to get the hell out of Evansville, Indiana, because this place has lost its mind. Okay, I'm done ranting. That's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. So, and on behalf of myself, everybody, as was said, thank you very much for being with us. If you'd like to get in contact with us, all of our contact information is over at the webpage at uh, holycrapthevlogcast.com. If you'd like to leave a voicemail message, feel free to, and um, please, at least try to be original. The phone number on that is 859-HCTV-554, 859-4288-554, and... For what it's worth, and I may be kind of overstepping myself here just a little bit, you know, we keep this up, Becky. We're going to start having a left coast, right coast kind of sister station thing going on. Y y you know that that's going to happen eventually at this rate. Look forward to it. It'd be very cool. So, everybody, 
please take very good care of yourselves. Please, please be safe. We cannot stress that enough. It is the summer. And of course, as always, I remind everybody, if you want to go ahead and drink on dry land, fine. Please do not drink and boat. You fall down on dry land because you're drunk, you bump your head. You fall down in the water, you're a statistic. Please don't let that happen. And we'll be looking forward to talking to you guys again next week. So, as always, until the next time we get together, everyone, I wish you the peace I no longer have. I wish you the strength that I've learned. I wish you well. And like I said, for my lady, should have been 28 years married, but I am still in love. Matane Fujin. I love you. I miss you. Dream of me. Till the next time we get together, everyone. As always, good night. You've been listening to Holy Crap, the vlogcast. Feel free to leave a comment at the show's website at holycrapthevlogcast.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages. Theme music is Twisted by Kevin McLeod, available at incompetech.com. And on behalf of all of us here, thank you for listening.